Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is In Liberty and Health, and today we're going to be doing another episode of Debunking Propaganda. I did one a couple months back on Is China Buying All the Farmland? And uh, this is one that I've been wanting to set up for quite a while. I know my guest today has um, been very, very hard at work on a new book and potentially a second book, and we're probably going to talk about his uh, alleged second book today, which is going to be all on Russiagate. Um, did Trump collude with Russia to steal the 2016 election? Um, what the hell is this whole deal why is everybody waving their hands about russia why is russia so bad and why is it so important that we pin all this on trump to uh you know blame russia you know what's this whole deal here but we're gonna get into it today uh make sure you're all the links below where you can find my guest myself everything i got going on tiger fitness for the world's best supplements and drink lmnt.com session liberty and health to get yourself a little bit of a discount and a free packet of electrolytes with uh your purchase of lmnt yes scott absolutely is the best i'm glad you could drop by friend but uh yeah we're gonna get right into it so without further ado let me get to my intro and let's go what is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We are on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. And one more time, welcome back. Scott Horton, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, Kyle. Yeah, of course. Well, um, as I said in the intro, I was looking forward to having this one because uh, this has been a story that's been going on for obviously, I can't believe, but close to eight years now. And uh, I think it's particularly relevant, especially with everything going on in Ukraine, but I think we'll kind of get to that. So um, I guess to start, um, what is Russiagate and how did you kind of like learn about it? What got you interested in kind of reading on into it? <laughs> okay, so overall, it's the conspiracy theory that Russia interfered 
in the 2016 election and oftentimes including that that uh, Trump himself and that his campaign colluded with the Russians and with WikiLeaks especially and uh, various assorted characters in order to carry out this interference and essentially usurp Hillary Clinton's rightful throne. And when I say conspiracy theory, I'm not trying to like just be insulting or whatever, but what the hell? It is true, apparently, that the CIA coined that term to mean when people wonder who shot the president, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, I understand that. On the other hand, there is such a thing as just jumping to conclusions and sort of starting with your conclusion and mm-hmm. and being sure of it and building a case. And you can see people build a case for anything and oftentimes combined with a willingness to discount any contrary information that doesn't fit. And there is, as we all learn in school, there is the um, the phenomenon, I guess, of the big lie where it really is built in that, man, they wouldn't lie about that, though, would they? Or at least... There's doubts raised whether anyone would tell a lie so outrageous because they're going to get caught and then everyone is going to know what a damn liar they are and that is going to cost them. So it just seems like they wouldn't tell that lie, would they? And like I remember as as an example here, I'll plead guilty a little bit. When the Israelis came out and said that a baby had been cut out of the mother's womb and another one had been thrown in an oven. I saw, I think probably especially Palestinians, but other dissenters, whoever, dissenters on Twitter say, one, that is such obvious propaganda. You're lying. I know you're lying. And two, those stories are things that the Israelis did to the Palestinians. The baby in the oven, that comes from the Nakba. And the baby cut out of the mother's womb, that was the Christian Falange militia under the control of Ariel Sharon at the Sabra Shatila massacre that did that. So how dare you do that to us and then lie and say that we're the ones who did that to you? What the hell? However, I remember thinking, you know, I don't know what any and all Hamas members did out there. Am I really going to stick my neck out and agree on Twitter with this stranger and say, yeah, this is such an obvious lie. It couldn't possibly be true, you obvious liars, because Kyle, what if it is true? And it's proven later that it's true. And then I was denying this most horrible thing that happened and whatever, whatever, whatever. So what I do? I button my lip. And then guess what? It turns out, of course, it's a stupid lie. And Haaretz said it was a stupid lie. Yeah. But I got to wait. Antiwar.com's got to wait until Haaretz confirms that that's definitely not true. And I'm not saying antiwar.com. I'm making fun of myself. I am not antiwar.com. I'm sure that Dave and the boys handled that properly at the time. Mm-hmm. I was just making fun of my own, like, yeah. getting caught in the big lie thing. Mm-hmm. It sounds like such an outrageous lie. Who would want to be caught telling such an outrageous lie? And what an insane thing to lie about. And surely the truth is bad enough. And yet, I and sure, certainly other people are like kind of hesitate to call that out. So anyway, that's part of the phenomenon of the conspiracy theory too, is especially if it's an official conspiracy theory from the government. 
and they're telling you that Saddam Hussein is in on it with Osama bin Laden or Donald Trump is in on it with Vladimir Putin. There is exactly baked into that the idea that you're telling me that they would lie about that. And in fact, even though it was a classic conspiracy theory where you have to believe 17 unproven things. And if you do, you can see how it all connects and it all fits and whatever. Even though that is classic conspiracy theory. If you say, come on, this is a crazy conspiracy theory, then they immediately would say, well, you're the one who's the conspiracy theorist. You're saying that the FBI and the CIA and the Department of Justice and all these people at the New York Times and the Washington Post are willing to tell all these, say all these things that aren't true. They're going to falsely accuse a major candidate for president of colluding with Russia when there's literally nothing to it at all? No way. You're a kook. If you think that they would all, ooh, what, secretly work together to come up with such a lie? See how it works? And then that's how they carried it for three years. And then it turns out, yeah, of course, there's nothing to it at all. The whole thing was a thousand points of BS, to paraphrase H.W. Bush, right? Mm -hmm. It all connects if you want to believe in it, but actually it ain't true. And then how did I get interested in it is I just knew it was... Uh, and, and I don't think the big lie worked with me on this Russiagate thing at all. Uh, actually, in this case, I just knew that this was such BS in the first place just because, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I've known who Donald Trump is my whole life. Yeah. So, like, he probably ranks up there with some of my earliest memories, right? Like watching him on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous in 1982, Right. With his, you know, Lamborghini and fake boobs, girlfriend and whatever. Like he he's a larger than life character. He like of the of the 1980s era, Michael Jackson and Madonna and some of these people who were just larger than life characters of that era. You know what I mean? He absolutely was that and always has been. And I knew he was going to win for president when one Scott Adams pointed out that Jeb Bush can't stand against this man. He's going to push Jeb Bush over, and there's no other runner-up after that. Who they got? Marco Rubio? Get the hell out of here. He's in. But also, when I read in 2015, I think summer, it was probably late summer of 2015 or fall 2015, I read that he hosted The Apprentice for 14 seasons. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't watch primetime TV. But Americans do watch primetime TV. And in fact, it's a big part of what holds our society together, right? Is like we all sit at home in our separate little boxes and watch the same TV shows together at the same time. And sports games. Right. Yeah. Sports is, is a big part of that. But like I had a friend of mine told me a story of his, I guess it was his sister's friend was talking about watching Dancing with the Stars and blah, 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 blah. And he says, yeah, I don't know. I don't watch that. And she says, what? And then, quite literally, this is the point. She did not believe him. She knew (laughs) that he watched Dancing with the Stars because everyone watches Dancing with the Stars. That's what makes us us, is we all go home at night and watch Dancing with the Stars. And we talk about it at work tomorrow or whatever. You know, that's the whole conception. Well, The Apprentice was like that. And what character does he play on The Apprentice? He's the boss making executive decisions, right? Like this guy, you're telling me it took a Russian coup d'etat 
to rig this thing against Hillary Clinton, who everybody knew had to rig this thing in every way she could to try to get in there. The most unlikable person in America. Exactly. When when she quit being secretary of state at the very beginning of 2013, she wrote a book. It came out the beginning of 2014 and they had a huge, you know, nationwide tour planned and they just canceled it because nobody showed up for the very first couple events. There was just no momentum there at all for her. People hate her. So I just knew this thing just sounded so ridiculous. And and I didn't think anybody was going to believe it. And in fact, I was right. It didn't defeat him, right? He won the election anyway. It didn't stick because here's a guy who like literally wraps himself around the American flag, who is like playing the character of this super patriot. And he is a real estate tycoon from New York. And even though Russia's not commie anymore, you're still kind of telling me that he's like a commie agent of the Kremlin in a way. It's that same old like Alger Hiss or like Manchurian candidate conspiracy, right? But you're telling me Donald Trump? Of all people, Donald Trump is a commie traitor of the Kremlin. I just can't. That's so stupid. You'd have to be some middle-class liberal woman who listens to NPR <laughs> on the way home from work to think that that could possibly be right. You'd have to not know other things, right? Like Republicans believing that Osama and Saddam are in love. Well, come on, man. Saddam Hussein is terrified of Osama bin Laden, dummy. Of course he is, right? You just don't know anything about it. Same thing here, right? You'd have to know nothing about it for this to work on you. But there's a lot of people who don't know nothing about it. And they don't have the different data points to bounce this new information off of. So anyway, one of the very first stories was that it was definitely the Russians who did this hack and gave the emails to WikiLeaks. This first came out in, I'm going to say, the second week in July of 2016 and almost immediately there was a guy on twitter his name is jeffrey carr and he has a computer security company called tia global i think tia global and he wrote a thing on his what medium i guess at the time instead of Substack, saying this is complete crap and i interviewed him on the show in fact it was april glassby day um july 25th of 2016, I interviewed Jeffrey Carr and his story was quite simple that this company CrowdStrike, they say that they can examine this server and tell you who broke into it and stole its stuff. I'm telling you, that's not true. Stop right there. Never mind who they say did it. I'm telling you, they can't tell you who did it. They can say words, but that doesn't mean that they know for sure what they're telling you is true. And the reason why is because it's too easy to leave false fingerprints behind, not just for the CIA or somebody like that, but for any sophisticated hacker to do that. He said, there's only one group of people in the world who can tell you for sure who broke into that computer. And that's the National Security Agency. And they can tell you with a 100% certainty and a 0% error rate what happened because they can rewind the whole damn internet if they want to. They can look at every packet in the world and tell you where it went and what it did and who sent it and why. They built it. It's theirs. It's the whole world's electronic communications are pwned by the NSA. So no one can tell you except them and they can tell you 100%. And yeah, what do we have? 
the NSA claiming this? No. <laughs> we just got the FBI and the CIA claiming this and the NSA grudgingly going, well, whatever, uh, you know. We don't want to contradict you guys, but clearly this information is not coming from us. And these conclusions are not coming from us, was their take on the thing. It was the FBI who ran with it. Um, and so, you know, the whole thing was a limited hangout. And we know after the fact, long after the fact, that the CIA overheard the Russians discussing, or I don't know exactly how they know, but they knew that the Russians were discussing the fact that they knew that Hillary Clinton and her campaign had been discussing framing them for hacking the DNC, the Podesta emails, and the DCC, that's the Democratic Congressional Committee. I'm, I'm glad you're getting there. Campaign Committee. And, and, um, and framing... Russia for giving that stuff to WikiLeaks in order to help Trump. Now, when that information came in, this is what the later special counsel John Durham called the Clinton plan intelligence. When that intelligence came into the CIA, John Brennan, who had been on this fishing expedition for a very long time, and this just gets really weedy and complicated. He'd been pushing this stuff even since the end of 2015 or early 2016. But he apparently felt like in order to CYA, he had to take this intelligence. He considered it important enough that he took it directly to Barack Obama. And we know that he briefed Barack Obama and said, essentially, the Clinton campaign is behind this and we know that the Russians know it. And that's part of how we know it is because we know that they overheard all this and they're freaked out about it, Mr. President. And... Then they kept going anyway, man. And that was right away. That was, I believe that was still in July. And I'm sorry, because I did not reread my chapter on this before we were able to talk today. It's been a few months since I looked at this, maybe half a year since I looked at this. But um, it was, I'm almost certain it was in, in would have been in July or August mm -hmm. that they knew. And then they um, they just went ahead. They pretended to believe that they had all these ridiculous reasons to believe. And I think it's quite clear. You'd have to infer it because there's, there was no criminal investigation. The special counsel investigation into the origin of Russiagate was not a criminal investigation into the leadership of, you know, uh, they're very protected. The people who are making the biggest decisions at the FBI and the department of justice during this time. But he does express a lot of frustration about how opaque they were and how they refuse to really come clean about their decision-making here. And you can see how they're deliberately ignoring all the exculpatory stuff and pretending to believe that there's something to this, that, and the other thing as they push it forward. And then it's clear enough, in especially if you read the Durham report, call this the conspiracy theory if you want, that the leadership of the Justice Department and the FBI knowingly decided to pursue this case that they knew was not true, probably first to cover the Democrats' ass for framing the thing up in the first place and their cooperation with it. It was supposed to work, and then they would have gotten away with it. It would have been fine. So they had to cover by keeping the thing going. But then also, as the FBI told CNN, to rein Trump in. If they could not convince his cabinet to overthrow him under the 25th Amendment, under the lie 
that the Russians had stolen the election for him, then at least they could rein him in and prevent him from pursuing policies that the government, called the deep state if you want, or just call it the state, had decided he did not have the right to change. And the voters be damned. And, you know, again, if they voted for him, it was because the Russians used Facebook to trick them into doing it or something. And so his policies that they disagree with are null and void. And you see this as a through line, especially on Russia policy, but on a lot of his policy. And when it comes to the impeachment in the son of Russia gate, in Ukraine gate, you can see the testimony of Colonel Vindman, sorry, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman on the NSC, who explains plainly under oath to Congress and in writing in, I guess, the Atlantic and wherever else, that the problem here is the president of the United States decided to change the policy toward Russia and Ukraine. But we already have a policy toward Russia and Ukraine. And who the hell does the president think he is to change it? Doesn't he know the interagency has met and decided? And you got to admit, Trump is a bit arbitrary and capricious and can issue edicts and then forget about them the next day and whatever. So then he invokes that and goes, well, so he has no right to change things and we don't even know if he means it or not and this and that. And he just rationalizes this way that essentially the deputies committee of the National Security Council has decided that's the democracy and including led by a guy in Ukraine who's from Ukraine and saying this is what our policy is. And who in the hell does the president think he is trying to change it? So that was the theme all the way through his presidency. And it ain't like he was Ron Paul. I'm not saying he was up there trying to do everything perfectly. But that was their panic, essentially, was that he was going to undermine the entire Atlantic Alliance system. Maybe he was going to decide on, you know, one day he loves Jews so much. On the next day, he decides he doesn't like them after all. And he's going to turn on Israel or whatever. They projected a lot of their fears onto him. You know, and then, like I say about the conspiracy theory thing, and, you know, this is something that us regular folks know about that, you know, elite people kind of think that they're outside of, right? But it can be really fun to be one of the few people who really understands the true story behind this or that, right? So it's the same thing for them, right? It is really exciting to be one of the people who saw how all the puzzle pieces fit of the way that Russia and Trump colluded to do this thing. And they had all these data points and we can go through them all, right? But you had Page and Papadopoulos and Flynn and Sessions and the hacking and the leaking and the whole WikiLeaks part of it. And, and um, you know, all of the different supposed contacts and, and it got more and more ridiculous with the kind of lesser and lesser examples. All the Facebook ads, and uh, as we mentioned, all that kind of intervention where none of it was right. Uh, none of it was right. But, man, if you believe in it, you're like, wow, we need, this is so cool the way that yeah. this is, um, you know, it's like the John Bircher conspiracy theories about the communists control the United States. And they later, later adapted that to a broader conspiracy because it just didn't make sense that all these capitalists were under control of the communists when really it seemed like it was the other way around, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, um, but still the idea being that, you know, the whole world is getting painted red here and we're next and they're coming for us and all that. That's some pretty exciting stuff. If you're, uh, 
if you're on the business woman in your Ford Explorer driving home from your job listening to NPO <laughs> News and you're going, oh, my God, I can't believe it's really come to this. And of course, it hadn't. But it was, you know what I mean? It's like um, going on a ride at, at Disney World or whatever. It's a simulation of fear. It's not a thing. Yeah. So one thing that I was kind of curious about that I haven't heard people really kind of link together to all this. Um, is this in any way possibly related to the 2012 pivot to Asia that the Obama and Clinton administration had essentially kind of um, executed on because the idea was that, hey, we're no longer going to fight, um, you know, wars over terror, even though we're still going to like drone bomb the living shit out of the Middle East. Um, as you said so brilliantly on Tim Pool after you called him a China hawk, which is still one of my favorite moments in all of Tim Pool history. Um, now is the time to <laughs> now is the time to pick a fight with Asia and Russia. Um, yeah. Do you think Russiagate had anything to do with this? Um, and, you sure, know, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah because look, I mean, man, uh, I'm going to get in trouble like I'm spinning for Barack Obama here or something. <laughs> Barack Obama wanted to get along with Russia so he could pick on China, mm -hmm. right? Um, okay. It was the neoconservatives. And look, he's the boss. I really don't know what happened. I mean, you know, the whole thing. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of what happened in the coup, but I'm saying I don't know what happened between the president and the secretary of state mm -hmm. and Barack Obama. And I mean, and, and pardon me, Vice President Joe Biden and Victoria Nuland and all the people who carried out the coup in Ukraine. Yeah. But it seems to me like she was operating against Obama's wishes there. I mean, I don't know how much leash he gave them on what they were allowed to do in Ukraine. Did he really tell them overthrow the government there? Because just now he'd been getting along really well with Putin. And he kept trying to, in fact, uh, get along with Putin at various times in his presidency. And a lot of that, I think, is comes from a very hawkish place. That what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're cool with the Russians. So ultimately, they can help us to hem in China who they consider to be the real threat. And Donald Trump right. said the same thing. Exactly. It's yeah. just he has so much sharper elbows than everyone else when he talks that people flip out about it. So Barack Obama would never say, oh man, yeah, me and Vladimir Putin, boy, we're gonna have us a nice steak dinner together because I think he's so handsome and dirt, dirt, whatever. Like I'm very roughly paraphrasing Trump, but just everything yeah. he says is so over the top. Right. Where Barack Obama is going to be like, well, well, you know, to be clear, we have to figure out how to balance the issue of the Russia thing with the China thing. But he means get along with Putin so we can pick on the Chinese. And and that was what Trump said too. Trump, in fact, said, well, I met with Henry Kissinger and he said I was so smart because I think that. Mm -hmm. Right. But the problem is you do have a lot of Russia hawks in the system, yeah. too. And. He was just so over the top about the way he expressed it um, that it, to them, they could, it, along with the rest of the Russiagate hoax, it played into their mind the idea that this guy really is some kind of traitor selling us out. And after all, a lot of the people making the policy, a lot of people in Congress and the media, they don't know even the recent history of this stuff. They don't remember that it was very important that Hillary Clinton wrote this article about China for foreign policy in 2011. But the, they don't they never heard of that before. That's the kind of stuff that these weirdos at antiwar.com talk about all the time and how that and it was in foreignpolicy.com. It's not she wrote it for antiwar.com. It was a huge deal inside the wonk community at the time. But, you know, the media don't pay attention really to the wonks. Antiwar kooks like I do, but like 
regular media people, they don't really read foreignpolicy.com. They just, we're lucky if they read the post. They probably just watch CNN themselves. You know what I mean? They don't really get the deep background on any of this stuff. And so um, I think, you know, somewhere in bizarro world, or maybe this is bizarro world, somewhere in the real world, there's a Donald Trump who's a little bit less weird looking with the hair and a little bit, just a little bit smarter, you know, and just has to write something. Together. Yeah, just is just different, you know, but sort of the same. Uh, but this one is just, what are you going to do? You know, he never knew what to do. And they just had him completely blindsided. And apparently his whole conception of politics and power is whatever the ladies on CNN are saying about him this afternoon. Instead of turning off the damn tube and paying attention to what's really going on here and what are my options. I mean, I remember thinking, like, he couldn't get, okay, here's a guy on his staff who you would think is somewhat competent. Stephen Miller, right? The guy who, like, coordinated the immigration stuff and stuff like that. Why wouldn't Trump say to Stephen Miller, listen, take one of your interns and tell him his whole job is doing a really damn good job debunking all the little pieces of this crazy Russiagate stuff. I want you to take everything in the public domain and let's fight back. Let's talk about how all these accusations aren't true and let's show and whatever. And I remember even at the time, you'd have a really great article by Aaron Matei come out in the Nation magazine saying, this is all a bunch of garbage to wit. And then he would demonstrate, Aaron Matei would demonstrate, this is not true. Look at all the things in a row that are not true here, everybody. And then that day on Trump's Twitter account, crickets. But meanwhile, like if you were his Twitter guy, you would be saying, Mr. President, the Nation magazine, which if you've never heard of it, is the Democrats magazine, man. They're just like one tenth of a hair to the left of the new Republican, the Atlantic here, man. They're like just barely, right? And they have this article about how you didn't do it. So what you need to do is you need to tweet that in all capital letters right now. <laughs> hey, everybody, even these liberals, which Aaron will get mad at me. He's a progressive, not a liberal. Sorry, Aaron. But anyway, look, everybody, these liberals admitted I didn't do it. <laughs> but he didn't even do that. He didn't even have the wit to have his game together enough to fight back even on that most, most basic level. Never mind the fact of Chuck Ross and all the right-wing journalists who had his back. Right. And never even mind they had his back. They were just telling the truth, which had his back, <laughs> you know? Um, but, man, when he had opportunities to cite Greenwalds and Tracy's and Taibis and Mateys, he never took them. Which just goes to, like, that level in of incompetence right there is astounding. And that's when it's his own ass on the line so bad. <laughs> yeah, and it's he, kind of funny you because know, those... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 those guys are all, like, super... I don't want to say hardcore left-wingers, but, I mean, you know, they'd be the first ones to say, hey, we need public health care, single-payer option. Absolutely. And, they yeah, are they, this the left of the Democratic guy, Party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They are clearly to the, I don't know if any of them are socialists, but they would all call themselves at least progressives or some right. kind of leftist for sure. You know, mm -hmm. well, yeah. I think Tracy would, I, I don't know. Anyway, 
close but enough. Yeah, yeah, you know that once again, that'd be the ace in his cap. But hey, like you said, these guys who are way left of me, even they're covering my ass on this one. So, you know, yeah. I think you guys over here that are conspiring against me saying that Russia, you know, appointed me to office, I think it's a little bit bullshit. But this also kind of ties in to another point where um my understanding is that, you know, <laughs> Trump sanctioned Russia and then had also sold the Javelin anti-tank missiles to Ukraine, got yep. impeached over it. You know, and I think a lot of that probably had to do with uh, Russiagate. You know, hey, I'm such a tough guy when it comes to Russia. I'm going to show you I'm not owned by them, but I'm I'm going to stick it right in their eyes just to make sure that, you know, you guys know, hey, I am no v Vladimir Putin fan. Right. Yeah. In fact, yeah. they said that explicitly in the case of Syria. And I may have gotten this wrong on people's shows in the past or something. Sure. Because I did have this uh, anecdote wrong, at least in my own head, and I researched the hell out of it, and I just proved myself wrong. That sure. It was not in the case of Ukraine. It was in the case of bombing Syria in November of 2017. I remember that. I that, remember the day um, it happened. Yeah, and... Uh, or No, maybe it wasn't November. That was what I thought it was. It, it would have been in April of 2017, I guess. Damn it. I have it here somewhere. The boy said, Junior said, that, see, there's no way that we could be um, giving in. I bet this is the section. Reigning Trump worked in, reigning in Trump worked in spades. The boy did brag that, see, this proves that we couldn't possibly be in the pay of the Russians because we hit the Syrians this way. I'm sorry. I don't have it right in front of me. No, that's okay. But, um, but yes, I mean, that was the thinking, absolutely, was they keep calling us traitors, so we have to make sure that we have arguments why that's not true. And they did sell them weapons all the way through. And they did, yes, you're right, he did sign sanctions. He did, like, concede, even though it wasn't true, but just based on the word of them, like, bullying him that, like, yes, I guess they did intervene, but still it didn't help anyways, leave me alone, or, you know, she shouldn't have done and by the way, we can go through the bit by bit because I want to demonstrate that I I am right about this, that the of the various accusations against them really don't hold up when we've really talked more big picture, like the overall thing. But um, yeah. it really was a, a gigantic pile of claims, just like they did to Saddam Hussein, really, um, where it's like, you know, here's 75 things, debunk that. And it's like, I can't. Justin Ramondo can, and I can, and my <laughs> yeah. guys can, but mm -hmm. who's, who's got that much time and, and who's paying attention and especially yeah, nobody's going to pay attention time, to all that, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I have a whole list of uh, stuff that when I was breezing through all the uh, the outline that you sent me, um, obviously Russiagate at the top, Podesta leaks, Mueller report, Roger Stone, um, the big fake time story, Papadopoulos, which you kind of covered, Steele dossier, the Clintons, and you covered the Clinton plan a little bit. So um, I don't know if you kind of want to expand upon the Podesta leaks, if you feel like there's anything else there that we could kind of cover, because I know, I, I believe that was pretty early on um, when it came to Russiagate. <sighs> yeah, man. And you know what? I admit to that. And I think you could tell probably reason through the thing I sent you that it really is a very fleshed out outline and it's, it it's still not very well written as a chapter though yet. Like it's, mm -hmm. um, it's always been very hard for me to get my head around how to tell it. I mean, I think the basic thing is to start with, there's a section there that it comes later in a way 
it's hard to decide how to lay it out, but it's called Perkins Coy in the heart of the plot. And this is essentially what happened was the Clinton campaign hired a law firm called Perkins Coy. And as they're cut out basically to get this dirty work done and man, I am kicking myself that I didn't have a chance to reread this thing, this whole thing today before talking to you, but I believe it was, they were the, the ones behind the steel dossier, the hiring crowd strike to attribute the hack to the Russians. The, um, there was, see, these plots didn't come out publicly, but they did try to adjourn the FBI with this was the Yada phones plot and the, um, the, uh, um, uh, Trump tower web traffic that they were trying to say was all tied with these rushes. Oh, and the alpha, the alpha bank server hoax. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All of these came, all those originated, they, right. It sounds like, oh, look at all these different things going on. And the steel dossier contains a bunch of different things in it, mm-hmm. but you have you know, all these different angles and they're all really coming from this one law firm, but it's all deniable. And we don't find this out until much later that this is where this comes from. And so then what they're doing is they're trying to get the FBI to open a criminal investigation. That's the whole op is to bring this stuff to the FBI and try to get the FBI to take the bait. At the same time, it looks to me like the FBI was in on the frame up in the first place. And it's hard to know. Again, I I'm sorry, man. I really should have reread this. Find found I've been doing interviews all day today. But the um the setup of of Papadopoulos is Mm -hmm. it seems pretty clear that he was set up by the FBI. And what they did was they had this uh British or pardon me, this Maltese professor who worked for the Americans and the British and the British to meet with him. And then they just made up a story about it. And the guy himself and Papadopoulos both denied that they even discussed this stuff at all. Papadopoulos said, you know what I did? I blabbed, you know, something to somebody else. It didn't even have anything to do with this guy. And, but it was enough that, you know, they had met that there was this story. And then they just spun this story that this Maltese professor was a Russian and that a Russian agent. And that he had told Papadopoulos that um, that he knew that the Russians had Hillary Clinton's emails and were going to release them. And then the idea was that Papadopoulos then told that to this Australian diplomat who then later when WikiLeaks put out their stuff, or at least when they said they put out their stuff or were going to put out their stuff, um, said, aha, that must be what Papadopoulos was telling me about, that he knew that the Russians had this dirt. But on follow-up, he also denies that he said anything about emails, that anybody knew anything about emails here. And I guess I may have flubbed that. Actually, I think I think Papadopoulos has claimed, and, and he changes his story slightly, but I think he has claimed that he was told something by Miss Foot, but nothing about emails, and that he hadn't mentioned a thing about it to the Australian. And the Australian clearly was just working for the FBI, like trying to prod him into saying something. And there were all these FBI informants. They're basically trying to frame up a predicate 
to pretend that they think that Trump is a Russian agent and this guy Papadopoulos is the key. And, um, which didn't really work, right? And they ended up giving up on him. They used him as the predicate to start the investigation, but then they weren't man enough to take that to the FISA court and use him as the pretext to tap everybody's phone under the pretext he was a foreign agent, even though they do nothing but lie to the FISA court and they did nothing but lie to the FISA court under on another guy to get the warrant to go forward. And that was Carter Page. And Carter Page, we now know, was a loyal CIA asset. And we know that every time he met with any important Russian businessman or politician, that he immediately would go back and tell the CIA all about it and debrief them all about it. And that when the FBI asked the CIA, hey, you know this guy Carter Page? What's the story on him? The CIA said, yeah, he's a loyal, patriotic uh, asset, works for us. Spills his guts to us every time he goes over there. He's great. And then the FBI redacted that from the memo. They attached the memo to their application for the FISA warrant, and they redacted that out. And a lawyer named Klein Smith was convicted of that felony, although only slapped on the wrist. But that proves that I'm right, that that was absolutely the most dastardly damn thing. And they knew exactly what they were doing. They were lying to that court. You know, you have to take the oath is to tell the whole truth. You don't get to say, oh, this businessman goes to Russia, your honor. And then omit the fact that the CIA vouches for him, that he works for them and is a loyal, patriotic American who wouldn't dare betray this country for Russia. But in fact, squeals on their every syllable uh, back to American authorities every time he goes over there. And they withheld that uh, in order to frame Trump. Because see, here's the thing for people who don't know, see, uh, Nixon used the CIA against anti-war protesters in Operation Chaos, which was revealed by Seymour Hersh in the New York Times. And this was all came out in the church committee and this and that too. And so they had minor reforms really after the um, the church committee and Rockefeller committee hearings in the uh, 70s. And they passed the FISA, which is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Before that, there had been essentially no real statutory authority limiting um, national security wiretaps. And so they expanded that unlimited authority to regular people. Well, this said, okay, here's how we define who you can tap without the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment says that they have to show in a criminal investigation, probable cause. In other words, they have to impress the judge that we have real reason to believe that if you allow us to do this search, it is going to reveal evidence. Not we're looking for some and it would be nice if we could find some. We already really think we're going to find evidence if we're allowed this search. That's the limit. And that has been extended to, you know, they can't just surveil you all the time and then claim, oh, well, we're not going to prosecute them, Your Honor. So whatever. You, you can't do that either. Right. But here's the exception in this law. If you're an agent of a foreign power or of a foreign terrorist group, then they can monitor you all they want, regardless of any activity, just based on who you are. They can go fishing on your ass all they want, just based on who you are. If you're, again, an agent of a foreign power or a foreign terrorist group, and then they only have to have a reason to believe that you are, not probable cause. They just have to have a reason to believe that you are. So now, if you're going to use this authority 
against an American citizen, you better have a damn good reason and not be lying. And if you're going to use this authority against an American citizen, because he's a low ranking nobody on a major party nominee's presidential campaign mm -hmm. in a campaign year as a cheap excuse to surveil the rest of that campaign and go fishing on everyone else for other pretended offenses and opportunities for perjury traps and the rest, then that's a crime just one shade over from shooting the president in the face in Dallas. That's the secret police framing up the major party candidate for president for treason with Russia, with the Kremlin. And then the president-elect, and then the president. And then they kept going. Right. And based on these lies. So that, that's the hugest part of it. Now, the Podesta emails are just, as far as I'm concerned in the story, um, <clears throat> you know, there's one funny one in there about how they pushed the media to promote Donald Trump in the Pied Piper strategy because right. they thought he'd be the easiest to beat. And, in fact, they did that in the last midterm elections in 2022 and it worked and it was a widely publicized thing that the democrats and there were some real right-wing like nutballs in the races and the democrats donated to them and helped them win their primaries and then i think in every case won the general against them so they think they're so clever but that's the same thing they tried to do in 2016 and it blew up in their face you know um otherwise the major story there is that this was all the leak that they attributed to Russia that, Kyle, they never proved that Russia did it. And as I cite in the book, and as anyone can read carefully in the Mueller report, they just cry uncle and give up and don't even attempt to show a chain of custody from the Russians to WikiLeaks or even from the server to the Russians. They say, well, we refer you to this other indictment. But then you read that other indictment and it's just a bunch of claims and they don't even explain why you should believe it's true at all. They don't even say how they claim to know what they know there. And, um, and then they do say, you know, the leak could have been delivered to Julian Assange by hand sometime in the summer of 20, in other words, ah, you don't know at all. You have no idea who gave him that stuff. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. And this is, you know, we, they admit that in the summer 2019, right? Three years into this or late spring, but whatever. Three years into this, two full years into his presidency and a giant fake criminal investigation based on it. Um, so that was a, a huge one. Um, and then, uh, so now on his campaign, you had Senator Jeff Sessions, and he was accused of improper meetings with the Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak. But it's completely meaningless garbage, nonsense. One of them was he shook his hand at a speech at the Council for the National Interest, which is, um, you know, thenationalinterest.com magazine. It was founded by Nixon, I think. Um, and uh, is, you know, a widely respected institution and publication and whatever. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And all he did was shake his hand. And then the other time, the guy came to his office he meets with senators all the time. And Jeff Sessions, in fact, I apologize because I know that this is right because I heard it back then, but I think when I was searching it, I couldn't find this. Or maybe I did find it. Ah, hell. I know I'm right anyway, so it doesn't damn matter. I'll call Jeff Sessions myself and get this footnote. (laughs) His staff were all retired military officers. Mm -hmm. They were army officers. Oh, yeah, he's committing high treason. With Russia, with the Russian ambassador. Hey, Russian ambassador, want to make a crooked deal to help us rig our election in front of a bunch of army officers who are his staff, huh? <laughs> Retired army. Come on. The whole thing is so completely stupid. It couldn't possibly be right. Again, though, another little, just like framing up Saddam Hussein, doesn't matter whether it's true. It just matters whether it's another lie you can add to the pile and it starts to become a big pile. It doesn't matter whether it's a pile of lies or not. It's a pile of claims and that's impressive enough. And then... um the thing with um, Michael Flynn was they claimed that he promised to lift sanctions on Russia. That wasn't true. He never did. And they said, oh, man, you know what, though? The transcript says you did. And he goes, but that's not true. And I guess Mike Pence asked him, is that true? And he goes, no, it's not true. And then the FBI, the FBI goes, uh-huh. And they go, oh, you have to resign because you lied to the vice president. And blah, 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 blah. Well, again, two, three years later, they finally released the transcript. And he didn't promise anything about lifting any sanctions. He only asked the Russians to not add sanctions in response to ones that Barack Obama had just added. Because why increase a tit-for-tat type of response when we're about to take power and we want to get along? He didn't say anything about reversing anything. He didn't make any promises about anything. 
He said, you shouldn't put sanctions on us. Perfectly fine. And Joe Biden, the vice president, brought up the Logan Act and some lady, I forgot her name, from the Justice Department said, oh, let's pretend that we think this is a violation of the Logan Act. And this is a private American making American foreign policy at the expense of the United States. Well, pardon me. This is the incoming designated national security advisor of the president-elect of the United States of America in the transition period. And all he's saying is to them, don't do anything harsh in response because we don't want to do harsh things to you once we're in there. And we don't want to play a game of escalation, which is, I mean, anyone who thinks that that's criminal is a damn fool or, you know, a a well-manipulated fool. And they just lied about him and put words in his mouth about what he said there. And the other thing that was interesting was he asked the Russians to please veto a U.N. Security Council resolution against Israel demanding they end the occupation. And Kislyak told him, no, forget it. And he goes, okay. So there's, you know, Michael Flynn, uh, the uh, treacherous, traitorous, suborned foreign agent of Russia. He's not receiving instructions from his Russian handler. He's asking for favors and being denied. So what the hell kind of master-slave relationship is that? (laughs) And he wasn't saying, please, your highness, or whatever. He was just saying, you know, as one designated national security advisor to one ambassador, let's not fight, pal. That's it. On the level. As simple as that. The whole thing, again, a hoax. Another hoax for the pile of hoaxes. But one we're like, boy, this is starting to look pretty bad. With the smoke, there's fire. Nope, it's just steam, hot air. Kind of looks like smoke, but it's not smoke, dude. It's just lies. <laughs> you know, another one for the pile there. Um, and then, like I said, the Alpha Bank, this was a huge one. They shopped this around. They pushed this so hard on the FBI and into the media. They tried like hell to get the New York Times to bite on it, and the New York Times would not. And eventually they sold it to this idiot, Franklin Four, who ran it in Slate. And this came up, became a big deal. This is another one of those clues right away how hollow and fake this thing was. Because one of the first places you hear about it would be Hillary Clinton's Twitter feed. Oh, my God, look, everybody, what just got discovered about Donald Trump. And it was like, what? That's so obvious what they were doing there. Um, and it was that Trump has a secret server where he receives his instructions from the Russians. And, of course, this turned out to be a total hoax. It was nothing but a for hire service that sends out spam emails. And it was for Trump hotels. Trump hotels had been spamming the Alpha Bank, which I'm sure didn't even have some intern even reading them, right? Like these are just being deleted with the rest of the trash, right? There's nothing. (laughs) It means less than nothing. And then ironically, later it turned out that Trump, I mean, pardon me, that uh, Putin had just, I think, without any connection to even hearing about this, but previous to even hearing about this fake story, had asked, or maybe not, because I think actually the story came out maybe in September or October of 16. But apparently Trump had asked at some point the head of Alpha Bank, could you help me get in touch with Trump or the Trump campaign? Because there was no connection between them whatsoever. 
And uh, Alpha Bank, of course, didn't have any connection to Trump. He was like, no, I don't, how am I supposed to get in touch? Well, he asked me for Kyle's phone number. I don't know it either. I, what are you talking about? I don't know that guy, Donald Trump, you know. Um, so neither of them knew him. But wow, what a great conspiracy theory. If you're a you know single woman with an office job downtown driving home in your Ford Explorer listening to National Public Radio in the afternoon, like, gee whiz, they're all looking at each other in traffic. Are you hearing this? How exciting. The Alpha Bank server hoax lie, right? And then the Yada phones. These are Russian smartphones that supposedly kept getting pinged in the traffic around the Trump Tower lie and supposedly whatever other, uh, you know, web traffic. And, and this was put on by a group that was from Georgia Tech University who were, you know, partially at least, who had been hired by CrowdStrike and Perkins Coy to help them come up with these lies. And the CIA and the FBI didn't even want to buy, I, well, I'm sorry, I'd have to parse that. I forget on which ones, but there were some of these where the CIA was kind of pissed off that like, you're bringing this stuff to us. This is not a good enough lie for us to pretend to believe in. Please <laughs> back to the drawing board and do better kind of a thing. You know what I mean? It was like, we're, we're trying to do a hoax here, but you got to make it plausible for me, Jim. You're putting me in a hard spot, you know, um, that kind of deal. Um, and then uh, uh, let's see. Oh, Paul Manafort. He is kind of a scumbag. He's sort of a political advisor to foreign tyrants and had been working with Yanukovych, who was the president of Ukraine who'd been overthrown by America in 2014 in uh, the maiden coup. But he had been working to try to get the guy to lean toward the U.S. If anything, he was CIA, or certainly they knew about him and tolerated his behavior because he was not a Russian plant. He was, you know, and this is like documented true, that he was pushing Yanukovych to sign the deal with the EU and move toward the West. Um, but whatever, man, didn't he hear keywords, Ukraine, Russia, money, something. And so they just framed up this whole thing. And this is where quite literally, and I know this sounds like, oh, whatever, that's what a right winger would say or something, but it's just true that, and it was Politico that ran the whole thing about it. And it's all verifiably factual that it was the Ukrainians who intervened. And I think Trump got it in his head and I think that there was this Ukrainian legislator whose name escapes me for the moment, forgive me, but who had convinced Giuliani this, that somehow they were the ones who had done the hack and they had the server. That's a red herring. I don't know of any reason to think any of that stupid stuff. But um, what it was, though, was they got a hold of Manafort's little black book, his ledger. It's not a little black book of women. It's a, a ledger. <laughs> And no they bothers. added a bunch of crap in pencil. They just they just added a bunch of stuff and called it cash payments. But the thing was a total hoax, but it was enough to get him thrown off the campaign. And another major talking point in the scandal that this guy was completely compromised by these, you know, the Russians and pro-Russian Ukrainian oligarchs and all of this stuff and had made all these corrupt deals with them and that he had given them this polling data that then they could use to help better rig the election when all he was doing was saying, look, Trump's going to win and I'm with Trump. So I got juice, baby. Stick with me and I'll get you that money I owe you. And what, that's all he was doing, right? This is just low level gangster crap on, on his own level. It had nothing to do with owning Trump for Putin, for God's sake. It's such a lie. And then you had this thing about... uh 
the speaking of using the polling data to target the people to brainwash them was um, the idea that Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, had gone to Prague in the Czech Republic to meet or Czechia, I guess they call it now, to meet with uh, his Russian connections and to pay them off to conspire to use the Cambridge Analytica data mining operation to and poll data to target Americans with Facebook cartoons that would trick them into voting for Donald Trump, which is the stupidest goddamn thing. And it's yeah. interesting that, as a side note here, that the troll farm that supposedly did all this uh, uh, spamming of Facebook and Twitter is absolutely minimal. First of all, there's no reason to think, quite honestly, and look, I'm not a Trump guy. I never voted for him or supported him. I'm just, I hate the CIA and FBI and lies a lot is all I'm, I'm not a partisan of the guy, but I'm just saying that, um, the, uh, the, the story was that, uh, uh, Prigozhin, the same guy who ended up, you know, running the Wagner group, this mercenary group who, you know, were uh, fighting in Africa and in Syria, and then ended up fighting a major part of the war in Ukraine in 2022 and then did the mutiny last year and ended up getting iced by uh, Vladimir Putin that he was the guy who owned that troll farm and all indications are that all they were doing was just minimal and all they were doing was essentially just clickbait they're just making money and it turns out that like baby boomer Trump voters will believe anything and they'll click on anything and you know even the New York Times had a story about how a lot of the fake news and I mean legit fake news never mind just accusing the mainstream media of lying all the time. That's different. But I mean, there was a more technical term for that, which was you would have like the Rocky Mountain Gazette Observer Times or whatever. That was just a made up paper. And somebody would throw together a brand new website front that looked like a newspaper front page. And it would say Pope endorses Trump or Trump makes slam dunk or whatever. And then baby boomers would click on that shit from Facebook and whatever. And then they're just getting ad revenue. They're just collecting. That's all it was is they're just making money. And they had, they didn't care about Trump or Clinton. It was just, they figured out, I guess they should have figured out that Clinton voters will click on stories about Russia. If you make the, the headline, the fake headline plausible enough to fit in their little scenario, they'll go for it. But the Trump voters would just believe about anything they found. And so it's the same thing here. So these guys are just putting out Facebook ads and they blew this up. And in the biggest thing in the world that this was an effort for Trump, and there's just no reason to believe that whatsoever, man. And Gareth Porter wrote this thing at um, consortiumnews.com where he just showed that there were trillions, whatever the numbers were, trillions of Facebook posts. And whatever it was that Pergozin's troll farm had put up there was point one hundred zeros one percent nothing. There's not even a drop in the ocean of, you know, political propaganda. And a lot of this stuff was just nonsense. It's like a green cartoon of muscle man Bernie Sanders or it's, um, you know, whatever. It's stuff that had nothing to do with even supporting Trump. You know, oh, Hillary's the devil or whatever. Well, guess what? You either already think that or you don't, but you're not going to be impressed by a cartoon about it. Like, oh my God, you think she's really a devil? That cartoon says she's really a devil. I mean, the, the whole thing is just, another complete hoax. And of course, um, Michael Cohen never went to Prague at all. The whole thing was just a lie. And this is one of the things that was in the Steele dossier that again, um, this was one of the things that had been 
um, uh, commissioned by this Perkins Coy law, for, law firm and where he had all of these claims and including against Carter Page and not Papadopoulos, though, because that lie hadn't come out yet. If he had real secret information, you'd have thought Papadopoulos would be in there, but no. And then once Page got named, oh, and Page was totally set up too. There's a, you know, especially read at uh, Matt Taibbi's racket.com. He's got this great insider story about how they, how they picked Page and how they centered uh, on him and, and uh, uh, singled him out to be their target to frame up at this conference in Cambridge in um, 2016. And, um, and to, to make him their scapegoat the way that they did. It's really something else, that part of the story. Um, and then, let's see, I did Manafort. Um, Cover uh, a little bit of still dossier. Well, um, oh, let's do a Trump Tower. So so Junior okay. and, um, and uh, uh, Cohen, uh, pardon me, um, help me, the son-in-law, uh, Jared Kushner. Kushner met, yeah. They met with a Russian... I know you're supposed to start to panic right now before I fill in any more details, but <laughs> they met with a, a, a couple of Russians at Trump Tower and they had promised that they had dirt on Hillary. Now, they probably shouldn't have shown up for something like that. And idiot Trump Jr. said, well, that's just great. Let's check it out. Well, things they didn't have anything on Hillary at all. And in mm -hmm. fact, this guy was like a lawyer for record a record label or something like that. You know, he was like loosely connected with some oligarch, but he was not Russian intelligence or anything like that. Yeah. And the lady that he was with was a lawyer and a lobbyist who was trying to get the Magnitsky Act overturned. And possibly even because she was on the other side of it, that she was for adoptions from Russia and that they had been halted in reaction to the Magnitsky Act. I forgot. I might have got that part wrong. Forgive me. Forget strike. I said that. But anyway, she was worried about the Magnitsky Act. And so when they got there, she didn't have any dirt on Hillary Clinton. She sure as hell didn't have any secretly pilfered emails or any of this stuff. And she just started lecturing them about the Magnitsky Act. And Kushner texted his aide and said, call me so I can get the hell out of here. Right. Um, and I think texted him twice. There's nothing going on here. This sucks. Let's go. And so. You know, if that had been Russian intelligence actually giving them some secretly pilfered stuff on Hillary Clinton, that would be pretty ugly. I don't know exactly which laws it would break, but that would be the wrong thing to do. But anyway, it didn't happen. And in fact, it turns out that that lady had been sent to do that by Glenn Simpson, the guy from the firm Fusion GPS that had been hired by the law firm Perkins Coy, that had been hired by the Democrats, um, who hired Christopher Steele to write the Steele dossier. The same Glenn Simpson was the one who sent this lady to go and meet with Trump Jr. and the son-in-law uh, Kushner at Trump Tower. And so another frame-up job, but was held up for years as high treason that, oh, we know they got them. We know these guys are going to prison for treason. We know this is where they're getting their instructions from their master Putin and all of this stuff as we, we caught them red-handed. Again, you see how this is a thousand points of things that ain't true. It's exactly how they did Saddam Hussein is make claim after claim after claim after claim after claim. And then you look foolish even debunking them all, no matter how smart you are, no matter how good you are, because boy, you sure are going to Matt for the Matt to this, for this Saddam Hussein guy or whatever. You sure do love Trump a lot debunking all this stuff. It doesn't matter how well you debunk it. It just matters that if you're that thorough, 
you're one of them and we're not listening to you anyway. So you're just caught in a catch 22. You know what I mean? Um, because it's so much to debunk that how could you be that good on it? How could you know that much to debunk it other than, come on, some of this stuff's got to be true and you just refuse to believe it. That's what's really going on here, Kyle. You know what I mean? And that is a huge part of, of how they're able to push the thing and, and keep it going for a long time. Um, and then uh, the GOP platform actually learned a little bit about this today. They made a big deal about that they took out, it was supposed to say, it, it originally said, uh, lethal defensive weapons. We ought to give lethal defensive weapons, meaning like javelin missiles, anti-tank missiles, uh, to Ukraine. And they dumbed that down to appropriate assistance. And that was actually done, we know now, by a guy named J.D. Gordon. And he just worked for the Trump campaign, and he swore to God under oath that, hey, man, I just did that on my own accord. No one even told me to do that. I just thought that that's what they would have wanted to happen. And you know, for the life of me, this puzzles me. I could, I, I don't have this in the book. So maybe I had decided I'll have to go back and check. Possibly this was one of the wrong claims that ended up being finally corrected. But I seem to remember that there was a woman who had done the change or had suggested the change, but also under with a perfectly innocent reason for doing it that I thought that's what we wanted to do rather than Oh, Russian interference, this and that. But I learned today, I'm sure you're familiar with Eric Brakey, uh, the yes. state senator from Maine and, and great defend the guard guy, whatever. Well, mm -hmm. he was part of the Republican platform committee and I don't have it. In fact, I do have it. He sent me a link. You want to check out the audio? Well, I don't know how long it is, but he okay. sent me the link. Yeah, whatever you got. He sent me the link of him on C-SPAN mm -hmm. saying, hey man, we shouldn't be doing this. Let me see how long the clip is. I don't want to. And and I hope it comes through on the, on your audio here. Let me see. You could do a, a share screen. Um, you should have a reset button if you think that might work. No, I'm on the wrong computer for that. I'll only be able to give you the audio, but let's see how long okay, it is. Yeah, no, that's good. Oh, it's uh, so just two minutes no, here. Let's see. Maine. Can you hear this? Mm -hmm. Page one, line 32 to 35. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, my amendment would strike out the language to these ends we support maintaining and if warranted increasing sanctions together with our allies against Russia Unless and until Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity are fully restored, we also support providing appropriate assistance to the armed forces of Ukraine and greater coordination with NATO defense planning. The reason for striking out this language is, you know, Ronald Reagan did a tremendous amount of work to try to keep us out of a hot war with Russia. We should really keep in mind that Russia is a nuclear superpower. And what we are spelling out here sanctions and arming their enemies, those are acts of war. And unless we're prepared for to go to war with a nuclear superpower, I think we need to be a lot more cautious about de uh, declaring our intention to, to, to do acts of war against them. So I, I think that these, the, this, this statement is, um, is, is overly aggressive, and, and I don't think it is, it is in the best interest of, of our nation to be declaring this. Um, so I, I recommend that we strike this language from the platform. Okay. The, the, uh, the recommend the amendment calls for striking lines 32 to 35 the chairman of the committee. Uh, yes, we debated this, uh, uh, fully yesterday, uh, during the meeting and, uh, it was, uh, defeated and I would uh, ask that we defeat it again today. Thank you. So, uh, delegate from New York, Mr. Chairman, I call the question. Question has been called and all those wanting to vote immediately, please signify by saying aye. 
Aye. Opposed, nay. Okay, the motion is now for debate, uh, is now for the vote. All those in favor of the motion for the delegate from Maine, please signify by saying aye. Opposed, nay. The amendment is defeated. The next amendment. Okay, well, so that's how that went, but he ended up winning anyway. Okay, yeah, I mean, I was going to say Eric's that nay at Eric. the very end there. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. oh, Eric's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Eric's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, it sounded like at the end there, there were a lot more nays than there were yays. Yeah, there were, yeah, he lost. He lost on that, but then I guess it was a Trump guy that came in and changed it anyway. But again, had nothing to do with Russian instructions to them or their fealty to Russia. It was just that Trump thought, look, there are two major independent powers in the world outside of the United States and our, you know, imperial estate in East Asia and in Europe. And that's Russia and China. And so which one are we cozying up to at the expense of the other? And there was a time where Kissinger thought we ought to break China off from Russia and exploit that because China was the weaker power and we would use them against the Soviet Union to balance against them. Well, now China's the stronger power. So now we ought to tilt back the other way. There's, mm -hmm. it's perfectly cynical, real politic, imperial statecraft, right? There's nothing Ron Paulian libertarian about it just because they're upset about it doesn't mean it's right. It's just that he's leaning this way instead of that on a policy that should be completely debatable within their own three by five index card, so to speak. But coming from him is not right. Like if Obama says, Obama and Hillary say, we really want to try this reset. Well, okay. Uh, you guys drive. You know what I mean? That's what the establishment figures They're like, okay, well, Hillary's up there making sure he doesn't go too far or whatever. You know what I mean? But when it's Donald Trump, they don't know who the hell's got a leech on him. So they're terrified of what he's going to do. He's going to give Putin all of our nukes or, you know, I don't know. And, and, and they don't know how to measure it. So they just freak out. Um, so look, after that, they're mostly like lesser conspiracies. Some of them um, don't, you know, just barely even touch on Trump or they're more... Uh, you know, brief, like, oh, Tillerson, Putin likes Tillerson because he gave him an award as the head of Exxon one time. Oh, so yeah. Putin must be why Trump chose Tillerson to be the secretary of state. And then, oh, Trump fired Tillerson. Well, it must be because Russia hates him now and Russia wanted rid of him. And so because Russia said something bad about him one time. So that must be why he got fired. You know, this kind of thing. And then you had like the Washington Post and Michael Weiss from the Daily Beast and the Atlantic Council calling themselves proper not and smearing all people who are good on Russia, essentially, as being agents of the Russians, uh, which really worked to, you know, they they foisted that crap on Google who downranked us all and that kind of thing um, as a result of that, which is really crappy. Um, they claimed the Russians were behind the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, which, man... I don't know. I could never be a leftist or a liberal because I think I would just have such a headache trying to figure out how to think that way. But Jump through all the hoops. But man, if I was a leftist, I would hate liberals even more than I do hate them as a libertarian. You know what I mean? Like, God, I hate liberals so much. But if I was a leftist, oh, I would be out choking them. I would just be, you know, what the hell do you mean the Russians are behind? Oh, anyway. Um, so that was part of that. Um, and they claimed, um, oh, this was my buddy, uh, Jason Leopold, had a big scoop in BuzzFeed that, oh, the Russian embassy um, uh, appropriated all this money for the upcoming election. We got them. I was like, yeah, but 
That's for the upcoming Russian election. They're just letting their expats who live in America vote and they got to appropriate some money so they can have some ballots and do the thing. And the come on, man. And that was my buddy, Jason. I love you, Jason. But damn it, dude, you keep getting burned and writing bad stories. Pissing me off. Um, Scaramucci, remember that one? The Trump hanger on that they claimed was in some giant business relationship with the Russians. And then some CNN guys, including Eric Lichtblau, who is a former big shot at the New York Times, all had to resign over that story. They got burned so badly on that one. Um, and then I think this is really kind of overall to sort of get back to the larger point that, well, first of all, they almost launched an obstruction case against Trump right. for obstruction on a total hoax investigation. Yeah, but the investigation you know said... was the persecution. It was the end in itself was the means of carrying out the thing against him for all those years. And then he brought up ideas about how he might stop it a few times that he never followed through on. What if I fired this guy? What if I fired that guy? In I Trump guess fashion. Nothing. Hey, geez, I wish you'd cut me some slack. And then the guy doesn't cut him some slack and then he doesn't do anything. Right. <laughs> and they, so they didn't even have an obstruction case, but they almost went through with it. They almost, you know, carried to the point that like, hey, we we uh, want to impeach this guy for obstructing justice on a total hoax investigation when, in fact, and and Ray McGovern brought this up early in the thing. I mean, this he could have done this, man. And it was obvious enough. I mean, he's the president of the United States. And again, you know what? Like, you got to blame people like Stephen Miller and, and Jared Kushner. They're supposed to be the smart ones up there, right? Like, they couldn't think of this. It's the most obvious thing in the world. That what you do is you give one speech and, and you, like, demand access to, like, live television. And you give one speech where you say, listen, the special counsel and the top 15 people at the FBI and Department of Justice are all fired. Security, you heard me. March them the hell out of there. They get to take nothing with them. They're done, all of you. And the entire special prosecutor's office. But here's why you're not going to impeach me and remove me from office. Because I'm hereby declassifying every scrap of paper that the FBI, the CIA, and the NSA have on me and my campaign, and including all my campaign papers, which he had already given over. He had already given over every scrap of his campaign papers to the special counsel office without a fight. It's in Bob Woodward's book. He goes, hey guys, we're treating you fair. Just treat us fair. Here's everything we got. You believe that? They didn't tell us that. That came out way later. But anyway, he could have just said, I want every single file on every single person on my campaign, everything about all of us and any and all of our connections with Russia, anything that the FBI has found out on any level looking into this, I want all of it copied in quadruplicate and dropped off at the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and National Public Radio. And you SOBs do your worst. I'll be sitting right here We'll get to the bottom of this Russiagate thing in the next three or four weeks. You can report out everything you got, and then we're all going to get on with our lives after you find nothing on me. You got nothing on me. You got nothing on my guys, Paige and Papadopoulos, who I met once and whatever. Give me a break. 
And that's what he could have and should have done. And said, look, you can't impeach, and hell, uh, 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 copy it in quintuplicate and drop off, uh, or sextuplicate and drop off copies of everything at the House and the Senate too. Bring them right to Nancy Pelosi's office. Bring them right to Chuck Schumer's office. I ain't afraid of you. Go ahead. He was innocent, Kyle. He was innocent. Why not take him on? You know, there was a story that he said to Mike Rogers, the head of the NSA. Hey, Mike Rogers, will you please put out a statement saying I didn't do it? And they called that obstruction. They said, oh, my (laughs) God, you see, he was trying to get the NSA to intervene in the investigation. And it's like, no, dude, he was he knew he was not guilty. And so therefore he was projecting that onto the head of the NSA. Mr. General head of the NSA, you must know that I didn't do it since you're the head of the NSA. So would you please let people know that? And of course, he says, Mr. President, there's an ongoing criminal investigation. I can't say anything. But that's why he should have said, no, there's not. I just fired him. Right now, squeal, damn it. You want to implicate me? Go ahead, Mr. Rogers. Again, now tell me, General, what did I do? Tell the world. Here's a microphone. You're on live. Tell the world what I did, man. Right? He could have just stood up to them. He didn't. He let them beat the crap out of him for two full years, two years and three, four months of this Russia gate. And you know, what can you say, man? He he could have, if he was smart enough. Hell, all he had to do was read the nation. <laughs> He'd have been fine. Yeah. Well, like you said, all he had to do is consult some of the better leftists on this kind of stuff. Uh, I actually want to pull Absolutely. up Wayne's comment. He was out going on about some libertarian stuff. He had some questions, but he said American liberalism is pure, unadulterated fascism. It's a universal ideal that they want to force the rest of the world militarily. Uh, there's no material difference between neoliberals and, neo- and neocons. Um, it's not right. entirely wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. He's um, he came from. I had a uh, Nick from the Revolutionary Blackout Network on, who's more of like a Marxist, socialist, anti-imperialist guy, who's really, really good. But um, kind of back to the larger point there. So I, I think you covered quite a bit. Uh, Roger Stone, he was yeah. loosely tied to the Trump campaign, but I believe he was under investigation because this was another one of those things that are like, ah, see if he's, you know, with Trump, then he must be in bed with Russia. And Roger Stone is more of just kind of like asking questions, if I recall correctly. Well, you know, so there's this article by um, Bamford. I'd ha- again, I'm sorry. I'm I'm so unprepared for this interview, dude. I apologize. But there, you can read this in the Nation. Again, uh, it's the great James Bamford, who wrote three books about the NSA and a great one about September 11th and Iraq as well. Um, and he has a thing where he says, you know, it does look like uh, Roger Stone may have had advanced knowledge of some of this WikiLeaks stuff. But it looks like he got it from the Israelis. There is no connection to the Russians. That whole thing was just made up. It wasn't true. So how did he know? And Bamford goes through, and I forget how he connects it. You'd have to go and just read it. I'm sorry, I don't have uh, a good explanation. But but the way Bamford figures, and this very well could be in his new book, um, Spy Fail. Um, I wouldn't doubt it. But um, he seems to think that that's the Roger Stone connection, is the Israelis new and i forget exactly how they claim their advanced knowledge oh, one of the things you know going back to the the uh, leak to WikiLeaks is i interviewed um 
good old, what's his name? The former, um, Craig Murray, the former ambassador to Uzbekistan, the former British ambassador to Uzbekistan, who's a good friend of, of Assange. And he didn't name anything about that guy, Seth Rich. He didn't say that. He just said that he met an American source in the woods in Washington. And he didn't say that he received the leak, but he did say he may have, but he did say that he met the guy who did the leak and he knows who it was and it had nothing to do with the damn Russians. And he said that the, I'd have to go back and listen to it, but I believe the way I should characterize it here is that he heavily implied that the Podesta leak came from the NSA and that they were pissed because they are under such strict procedures for keeping secrets and where Hillary Clinton gets to get away with such murder with her private email and then even taking her phone with a private email server connected to it into foreign countries and stuff like this where she's just obviously getting completely churned and and that they were like taking their revenge for that that was what he said what Craig Murray said um about the you know, the origin of that leak there. And, um, geez, there's one more thing I was going to say about that. Um, oh, I know it was, you had these characters, this, this Guccifer and, uh, DC leaks. And this to me looks very much like, I think this is where Bamford brings up the Israelis somehow. But anyway, this looks to me like a frame up. I always thought it was the CIA because what happened was we had the date that Assange told the Guardian, yeah, I got some stuff coming out soon, which he should not have done that, dude. But anyway, no offense, Julian, out there, buddy, if you're still listening. But um, he uh, he announced, yeah, we got some stuff on Hillary Clinton coming out, man. People were already looking for her missing email. So people weren't sure if it was going to be that or if it was going to be something else, which it wasn't that. It was something else. But anyway, um, then... I forget the exact timeline, but it'll be in the book is where DC leaks and Guccifer 2.0 start giving him stuff. And he's like, yeah, well, thanks anyway. But like, I'm not going to post this because I don't know where you got it from and I can't really vet it and I don't really need it. And I already got all this. Then he posts what he clearly already had for a long time and had been vetting. And everybody who knows about WikiLeaks knows they've never posted a fake document ever. They've never been caught doctoring one or posting a doctored document or a fake document of any kind. And that's because they do a very careful vetting process of, of all of the leaks that they get before they post anything. And he said, I just can't vet this stuff. So it was pretty obvious that what had happened here was John Brennan or somebody made up these fake characters to like muddy the water and make it seem like they were the ones who had delivered this stuff to Assange when he clearly already had it. And which is another thing which just implicates them in framing this whole thing up that they're like scrambling to try to make it look like something else is going on. And then the head of CrowdStrike admitted under oath and he started to say one thing and his lawyer started whispering in his ear and then he goes, well, Okay, we we can't prove that the Russians exfiltrated the data off of the server at all. And that was in December of 2017 in high secrecy, and that never leaked. And so we didn't find that out until not even after the investigation ended. We didn't find that out until May of 2020, I believe, a year after the investigation ended. Like, oh, look, here they got they they didn't even see who or when or why or how anyone took that information off the server. And under oath on lawyers' advice, they'll admit it in that way. Um, and so 
you know, they had their narrative and they built it, you know, simple as that there. My buddy Kevin here said in the chat, maybe we could wrap here in a few minutes. He said, I'm pretty sure there's evidence that the metadata download speeds of the Podesta emails proves that it wasn't a hack, but a direct download to a drive. Feel free to fact check me. Okay. So that's a great point. And I leave that out of the book because I just don't think that you can really stand on that a hundred percent. It very well may be right, but this is what he's referring to is analysis by William Binney who is an NSA whistleblower and who blew the whistle on a bunch of illegal spying on all of our cell phones and landlines way back um, in the W. Bush years. Mm -hmm. And is a good man. However, I find him not that convincing. And I think I interviewed him one time. And his analysis here may be right. But essentially what he says is that mm -hmm. the metadata shows that the, the data was transferred at X rate and that means it had to have been from a USB thumb drive, from the hard drive copied over and then out, rather than internet speeds out. But I just don't know enough about that to vet it. And in sure. fact, I there was quite a bit of debate, even among Russiagate dissenters about this when it came out. And um, I think I privately went to computer geniuses that I know and said like how confident would you be in this and they were like meh you know like i don't know because you could fake the timestamps on there too and make it say whatever you want and it could have been the good guys or the bad guys who would fake that for whatever reason or who knows so at some point there's this the chain of custody on the information itself is not clear and then you're gonna really tell me you know for absolute certain what was the ceiling on upload speed in this part of this county on this day in 2016? Like, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's some haul ass upload speeds if you're on the right fiber optic line. You know what sure. I mean? I don't know. I got 300 mega jams up, sometimes four or 500 mega jams upload speed from where I am in central Texas right now. And so like how that compares, I don't know. But I remember thinking that Benny seemed like he had a lot of assumptions in his argument. And I just thought, whatever, like people whose, whose skepticism I trust had some, they were like, I just don't, which fine, because, you know, at the same time, it ain't like they're vouching for CrowdStrike's nonsense either, right? They're saying that like, you know, it's just too hard to say which is, I think, good enough. That's called reasonable doubt right there, you know? Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, so pretty much it kind of seems like what a lot of Russiagate boiled down to, and we can kind of summarize here. And uh, basically, like, there, you know, <laughs> you had a handful of people that may have had some conversations with some people who may have been related to Russia somehow, and because they were tangentially related to the trump campaign then that means that you know oh well you know the soccer mom will definitely believe who's driving home in her ford explorer as you so eloquently put it um she may believe that trump is a russian asset because there was some conversations that were had and he wanted to get along with russia much like obama did but the neocons and neoliberals and the deep state establishment did not want peace with the u.s and russia because yep. you know the military couldn't get their you know arms deals or arms contracts if you know trump got along with the kremlin and putin so we have to frame him for treason so that way he puts his thumb on the scales and make sure they six in putin's eyes a little bit so that way everybody has their boogeyman and everybody gets paid yep there you go and and trump you know i have the quote in here it comes from the new york times 
The Quiet Americans is the name of the article. And they're not very quiet, these assholes, but uh, they say <laughs> Trump is like the captain of a ship. He's got this big wheel, but it's not attached to anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that sums it up pretty well. That's how they did it. You know, exactly right. I said, all right, Scott, uh, go ahead. Give your plugs to all the great work. I also want to bring up uh, Kevin's comment. Great work, Scott, just so that way we're all on that. And he said he was, uh, he deals with lots of data, but uh, like the speed of transfers and everything, I'm guessing that's what sure. he's referring to is kind of his wheelhouse as well. So uh, yes, yeah, Scott, I think this is great. I know I'm going to have to listen back over. Every time I talk to you, Pat, Connor, Dave, Kyle, any of you guys, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to listen to this show again because I I'm too stupid. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead, man. Well me too. I hope I did a good enough job compared to how good I could. Uh, I, you know, again, I, I really have this massive, uh, it, it's just a sec. It's a hundred page section of my Trump yeah. chapter. If that <laughs> gives you any clue what kind of mess I'm dealing with here. And I, I looked through it there. It's packed with sources. Well, it, it certainly is that, and it is, you know, I'm right about everything, but I'm not. I, I <laughs> am perfectly happy to admit what a mediocre skateboarder and mediocre writer I am. You know, I, I, I can use English words, but as far as having a real talent for, like, telling this story well and really getting you to understand it, well, I think I can get you to understand my point on each one. But I, as far as weaving it together well in, like, the most concise and interesting kind of way and whatever i'm not there yet I, I have a lot of work to do on the thing so i i hope i did an okay enough job of sort of portraying the overall we we only touched on on the impeachment there was sort of ukraine gate son of russia gate you mentioned there he held up an arms deal for a few days and they impeached him over that if you can believe it this whole thing is completely bananas but um Anyway, I, I hope that was more or less good enough. And I I hope that this book can come out sometime in the relatively near future. It'll be called Provoked, how Washington started the new Cold War with Russia and the catastrophe in Ukraine. And this will be one part of the Trump chapter here uh, will be Russiagate. I, as you alluded to earlier, I was going to try to put this out as a separate book. But my first editor friend that I showed it to said, no, wrong. Like, this is so not all the way cooked at all. Like, just forget it. And I figured I got gotcha. so much work to do on it and everything else in here that I'm just going to go back to the drawing board and just keep working. But gotcha. um, <laughs> but uh, this will eventually be the best thing anybody ever wrote about Russian Day, damn it. <laughs> you know, or at least the most the the most thorough debunking of the claims of russia gate that you'll ever find someday it'll be in my book provoked um until then i got six thousand interviews at scotthorton.org and i've got really really great guys doing really really great work at antiwar.com and libertarianinstitute.org yeah absolutely and you absolutely do i talk to those guys literally every single day and uh i was i'm looking forward to meeting them sometime soon you know maybe we'll all do some shots of crown and stuff like that so uh yeah yeah man. scott i i really appreciate your time brother and if you've got anything else we'll uh wrap up there um yeah well if you want to know what's going on in the middle east read my book fools aaron or no uh the other one enough already yeah. is my book about all the terror wars that'll get you caught up on who's bombing the shiites and why <laughs> I got that audio book. I got to listen to or uh, listen through it. But I honestly, I've probably listened to well over a hundred of your interviews. If I'm being honest, I I I try to never miss one. If it's Kyle, Dave, um, Connor, or Pat, because once again, those are my boys. And then obviously all the other ones, a lot of the more recent ones I've caught as well. So, uh, oh yeah, Scott, I appreciate your time, brother. Absolutely, thank you very much for having me, Kyle.
course. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.